light and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle The best place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Dan McLennan On today's episode, we look back at last weekend's game against Leighton Orient Where United settled for another home draw And look ahead to this weekend's trip over to the North East Coast to renew pleasantries with the monkey hangers. A little bit short on the intro this week, I think, Dan. I got it right last couple of weeks, so I didn't quite get it right mm. this time, did I? There you go. How's it going, mate? Not bad, not bad. Not bad, yeah. Still unbeaten, I suppose. That's one way to look at things, isn't it? Yeah, it's very glass half full, half empty at the moment, yeah, isn't it? Well, those ones. It's not, it's not a terrible start to the season, but it's not a... Not a Particularly exciting one. Even, the, the, next cu- the next couple of games will sort of decide whether it's good or bad, I think. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, let's get straight into it, Dan, because you've got quite a bit to fit in. So first up, uh, the competition. Obviously, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the fact that we finally had a an answer in our competition, so to speak, and Joe Riley scored the first goal of the season. Um, and as a result, we've got five contenders for the um, the pair of uh, Sock Council uh, walling socks to give away. Um, so I'm going to press the little button. I've numbered them one to five here. I've got Alex McAllister, Kyle from Twitter, Lee Beatty, Martin Sewell and Will Clark. So one of you guys is going to win in alphabetical order, basically, those numbers. Um, so here we go. I'm going to generate a random number here. The number that's come through is number four. So Martin Sewell, you've won a pair of socks. Congratulations, Martin. We'll be in contact shortly to get your socks over to you. So there you go. Uh News, there's not really much news this week, is there, Dan, really? But we'll just do a little quick update on a young man who's continuing to excel, isn't he, in a non-league level? Young Mr. Sam Fishburne. Feed the fish and he will score. Incredible. I don't think anyone could have guessed he would have done this well in his loan spell, could they? It's, he's obviously gone out on loan to Lancaster City until January. That was 10 days ago. <laughs> Since then, he's he's scored six goals in three games, basically. Just cannot stop scoring, can he? Uh, that included a hat-trick against Grantham Town. And if you've not seen it, go and see his first goal. It's an absolute stunner, isn't it, Dan? Wonderful well, touch. I, I've, said, I've said all pre-season that he should play for us and uh, I'm being proven right. I know people say, oh, it's a low level, it's a low level. The lad scores goals, end of. I, I am going to sort of temper that and say I kind of agree with the idea that it is a lower level. And... I know there's a lot of people saying, get him back, get in the team. I, I still don't think he's quite there yet. I think you've got to give him a bit of time. And for me, the good thing here is he's gone on loan till January. I don't think we can recall him, can we, Dan? Because I think it's one of the six-month half-season loans and I don't think you can yeah, recall yeah. that. It's sometimes different with the non-league ones, but I don't think we can. So he's gone there. He'll be back in January, potentially. The question is, what do you do then? Do you then send him out on loan to a higher level or do you potentially put him in the team? If he comes back and scored 20 goals... You probably have him on the bench coming on, don't you? Work him into the team as much as you can. Which then makes people question why we took uh, the Aston Villa lad. It, it massively depends on how the Aston Villa you know, lad does that, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, he might yeah. turn out to be a real star. And I do think Young's got a bit of potential there. There's a bit of a Joe Garner about him for me, but but there you go. Um, so yeah, well done, Sam. I'm having a really good time out at um, Lancaster City. Be interesting to see if a couple of the other lads go out, maybe, potentially. I do wonder if getting Josh Dixon out on loan and getting some games would be a good idea. Because he's not really getting in the in the matchday squad at the moment. Yeah, the charters yeah. ahead of him, so get him out somewhere. Even if it is the same level as Fishburne, somewhere like Lancaster. Same with Gabriel Breeze. Get him out on loan somewhere, get him some game time. 
obviously keep Simons maybe because you'd need a, a third choice keeper, wouldn't you? But yeah, yeah, but you can do them where they can play games and they can still come back if need be, can't they? Yeah, you can always do the ones where after the transfer deadline day, you can do it where you uh, you just basically get them back in, don't you? So there you go. Thanks. Well, let's get on to the match review bit then, Dan. So we're uh, looking back at last weekend's... It seems ages ago now, doesn't it? Because we haven't had a midweek game. It's strange, isn't it? It doesn't feel like it was only on Saturday, but yeah. So United won, Leighton Orient won. Um, another home game, another 1-1 draw for the Blues. This time probably against a stronger side. I think one of the stronger sides we've faced so far this season. But it's a game where you feel like Orient were there for the taking in the first half, weren't they? They didn't look a great side until the break. Yeah, well, it was the classic game of two halves, wasn't it? Yeah. First half, we were by far the better team. Then they made their uh, changes second half and were by yeah. far the better team in the second half. So. Yeah, because it's interesting, obviously, we talked with the guys from the Lowdown podcast last week and they were saying how they're surprised that they were playing some nice football under jacket and not necessarily going direct. Mm. But actually, they were struggling first half when they were trying to do that because we were in their faces and causing problems. It's only when they went direct at half time that they looked to fret, didn't they? Yeah, uh, I mean, how uh, the left-back stayed on at, at half-time, it was pretty obvious they were going to sub him after the yeah. first half. And that was part of the moves that uh, Jaden Sweeney, was it he was called? Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, definitely a contender for the Jude Sterling Award, isn't he? Because he was, I, I mean, early in the season to be giving it a shout for that, but my God, he was awful, mm. wasn't he? He just... Mm. He did. He could not cope with because it was. I'm trying to think. First half, it would have been Dickinson down that side, wasn't it? And, they, and I think he was yeah. really struggling with him and Tanner. Tanner was overlapping a lot and causing a few problems. And Abraham's was also pulling onto him occasionally as well, wasn't he? And beating him to the ball. And yeah, he, there was a couple. I think there was two or three, wasn't there? Afterwards, but I think there was one was a blatant handball the referee missed. But then there was a couple of other ones where he, he gave away silly fouls and. He got his last warning at that point, to be fair. I don't think he actually gave away another foul after that. So, Really frustrating on that one, isn't it? But uh, Bobby Madley, Premier League referee, he actually handed out five bookings to Warriors game. I, I didn't realise we didn't get a single booking until, until I was putting the stats together for the game. So, yeah, it was an interesting one. If Warriors if got one more booking, they would have got a £1,000 fine, actually, wouldn't they? Yeah, the yeah. Six bookings. So. Um, so, yeah, started quite strong this game. Abraham's winning the penalty after eight minutes, converting... Harsh decision, do you think? I mean, I, I watched this back and actually, having seen it again on the telly with the view from the other side, because we're both on the main side tonight, aren't we? I don't think it was as harsh a decision as people made it out to be. I, I was up in B stand and straight away I thought penalty. Yeah. I don't know whether that was just the height angle or mm. what, but I, at the end of the day, it hit his hand and that's the rule now, so. Yeah, it, 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 it's one of those ones that. Uh, when I, The angle I saw it from the paddock, it looked to me. Like his hand was down by his side and he just caught it. But actually, when you watch the TV replay, his hand's nearly at his head height. So he's not really got any excuse for it, to be honest. And Really good penalty, though, from Abraham's, got to say that. Took it really yeah, well. Yeah, it shows that all these stuttering run-ups and a load of rubbish. I'm, I'm a big fan of just putting your laces through it and you yeah. know, rattling it in. And if the keeper saves it, you've, you've done nothing wrong, have you? You yeah. know. Well, I think it's, it's Luke Moore on the um, Football Rumble podcast always says this. He says he doesn't get why players do those stuttering run-ups because even if Fingo is part of a technique, thing, you're just making it more difficult for yourself. You've already got the advantage. So was it 70% of penalties are scored or something like that. Why why make it more difficult and put more variables in there? Just yeah, yeah. step up there and hit the ball. That's the main thing you do. But yeah, really good penalty from... From uh, Tristan, um, 
once again, we played some nice stuff down, but we weren't really very ruthless, were we? No, we're, we're not clicking in the final third, I think it's fair no. to say. You know, I mean, obviously we needed the penalty to score. Uh, I don't think it's through lack of effort. It's just slightly square pegs in round holds a little bit. Alessandra seems a bit lost at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've put this as a point in. I think you've mentioned it a couple of times to me as well. We need to have a look at that front three, don't we? I don't think that front three is going to win you promotion. I don't think we can carry on much longer playing it. They're, they're, they're three decent footballers on their own, Dickinson, Abrahams and Alessandra. But they're, they're, they don't work as a three, they just don't. They're, they're, they're very shoe, good technical, aren't they? They're being shoehorned into a system and it's not producing the goods, basically. No, it, it just it just doesn't suit them, does it, at the moment? And yeah. I mean, Abrahams, he's got two and four, but does he look like a goal scorer to you? I don't think he does. I think there's... I just feel like he's he's a hard worker and you can see he's fairly decent linking play and I imagine when you've got someone maybe playing free balls he might excel from that but he's not bursting a good to get in the box when Dickinson gets the ball out wide for instance is he? He's not really looking for those front post runs and things like that and that that's difficult because Dickinson's the kind of player who likes to get the ball in the box and I saw a few people criticising his crossing at the weekend mm. but actually... I, I don't think he was that... I think his problem was he was looking up often. There was no one in the box room. I think, I think Dickinson's more suited to a bog-standard 4-4-2 on the left yeah. of the midfield. Yeah, I think he probably used to be fair. And I think if you're going to play him, actually, I'd probably rather see him play on the right of a front three because you can cut mm. inside and have shots yeah, that way. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way you're going to get see the best of him. I just didn't think it worked and... Alessandro was okay first half, but once again, he had those moments where he holds onto the ball far too long and he mm. slows the play down too much for us. And we, we we were big fans of him last season. We're not here, you know, people who just can have a go at him, but it just isn't working at the moment with him well, and the team, is it? Like I've said, I think now Clough's had a few minutes. I think the natural progression will be Clough will start games and Alessandro will come on for him. And yeah. that is when hopefully we'll be like 2 0 up or whatever. And Alessandra slowing it down and, you know, just nullifying it would be would be good in those circumstances. But Yeah. Well, we'll what we'll do is we'll, we'll touch on whether, you know, how Clough comes into the team when we do the preview section. Um, but obviously he came in this game as a sub, but it just felt to me like he was thrown in for the sake of it. It didn't feel like there was any sort of game plan as to how he was going to fit into the team, was it? He looked a little bit lost, didn't he, in this game? Mm. Yeah, it didn't really work with him coming in. Um you mentioned before, Dan, obviously the big turning point at halftime is when they made the subs and brought Harry Smith on, who, you know, he's a big six foot five lad, a bit of a nuisance up top. Albeit, I think actually McDonald and Whelan dealt with him fairly well. I don't think he was that much of a threat. Um, but I actually think the big turning point came when Mellish came off, because we just seemed to lose control of the midfield at that point. Yeah. Uh, the second half, it was quite annoying, I thought, because. You know, we made our subs and they didn't really, again, they didn't really change anything. No. There was no sort of tangible benefit for making them, which, I mean, no. Clough did all right when he came on, but, you and know, someone, there was... Someone like Toure, you only gave him two minutes at the end. 
it's not enough time for him to get into the game. To well, get the yeah, feel of the game, and they need, they need five minutes to warm up, sort of thing. Yeah, at the very least, you bring him on with ten minutes to go. And and the thing is, once he actually got a little bit warmed up at the end, of, very end of injury time, he won a free kick by causing problems and going at the fullback. So it's one of those ones you look get him on a bit sooner and let him have an actual go. And that that that's the kind of player I think we're missing at the moment—a player who will run at the defence and try and create something in that way rather than... And I know Dickinson does like to run at the fullback and that, but like we said, when he does it, there was no one in the box for him to get there, whereas Toure tends to try and get into the box and yeah, then play yeah. off his pass, doesn't he? And that, I mean, that, that's an advantage there. But yeah, for me, I think last couple of games, we've taken Mellish off in these games and we lose a little bit in midfield now because he, he's a nuisance and he, he gets about, doesn't he? And he, he's becoming a bit more of a player than just a goal scorer to the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, the lad doesn't stop running, you know, and I think you could probably safely say that Dickinson looked absolutely blown out his backside after yeah, about 65-70 minutes, so there and was a be, bit of... Yeah, I mean, Dickinson did do a lot of running as well, to be fair. He was up oh, yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah, so yeah. It's, it was a tough one, wasn't it? It's, it's one of those games, that I look at it, and actually looking at the stats, a point's probably a fair result, but I feel in that first half, they were really were there for the taking, and I think maybe if you had a... not necessarily saying Tory, but... It, a winger's gonna have a bit more of a go to fall back on. Mm. We might have, we might well have gone in two or three up at half time. I think in that game, but uh, but yeah, you know, or it or it look a decent enough team. I think they're lacking a bit of firepower as well, similar to us, aren't they? Really good technical players in there, but not really got a, a goal scorer at the moment. I think is the way I'd look at them. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for the Orient game. Is it not really much else to say in it? Really, it was a yeah one of those games where you just you feel like maybe. Two points dropped, although you'll take an unbeaten record, won't you, at this point? Yeah. Uh, Saturday is a big one. The three points would be very welcome, and it would maybe just not stop the twining, because we're Carlisle fans, will always twine, yeah, but yeah. just sort of, you know, well, all right, you know, I mean, we may be taking a couple of games to click, but. And then obviously we've got uh, Salford the week after up here, who have. Started terribly, so I, I think if we, we get at least four points from the two games, I'd, I'd be happy. Well, I mean, if you if you win next weekend, this weekend's game, even that's three points. That's nine points after what five games? It's not a bad return, is it? Really? No, not at, the season? not at all. Not a bad return at all. Right, okay, then, Dan. Let's uh, take a short break, and we'll be back in a minute just to re- preview the Hartlepool game. So we'll be back in just a sec. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle. And we're back for part two. Uh, as ever, for this season, obviously, our uh, second half of the show sponsor is the Cali Knight Supports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cali Knight fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the southeast, and even members up in Cumbria. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and sports games and doing fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section of the season two. You can find out more about the London Bunch at their website, carlislelondonbunch.org. Okay, so first up in the second half part of the preview section, as ever, we've got an opposition fan view. Um, we were able to uh, catch up with the guys from the Hartlepool United, uh, I think it's HUFC chat podcast, because um, unfortunately they weren't available. We've managed to get one of their fans on Twitter to have a chat with us. Um, his name's... Jordan Richardson, he's thankfully, oh, not thankfully, he's uh, very kindly given up his time to talk to us about um, how Pills are getting on the season and whether he sees us as a rival of any sort. So here's the chat I had with Jordan. 
after four seasons of being stuck in the National League, how pleased are you to finally be back in the EFL? Because I know as a Carlisle fan, obviously, we did it about 18 years ago and the novelty can wear off quite quickly, can't it, over the yeah. new grounds at that level? Yeah, to be honest, um, so if I go back to when we first got relegated, I remember going mm. into the first game against Dover and um, we were a bit above ourselves thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing and we're going to beat every team 4-0 every single week and <laughs> we soon came back down to WEF. I think we lost that game 1-0 and we didn't register our first win until the end of August when we lost to, uh, uh, when we beat Geisley, sorry. Yeah. Um, and since then, do you know, it, it's probably been a similar story. You know, we we never really challenged until Dave Chalner came in and it was a real slog. Um, so being back in in the league, obviously you've got to look at the financial boost of being in the FL. Yeah. I know there's a lot of money within those, those the likes of Stockport, Chesterfield, Wrexham and Notts County. But Tell us about it. <laughs> I, think, I think for funding within that league, I think you only have to look at the, the situation with COVID when... The season got curtailed and there was no relegation last year. The funding's absolutely appalling. Um, so, as I say, it was a real slog. Really difficult to get out of. And, and do you know what? Until we had Challoner appointed as manager, it, it, we, we had no hope, really. We really needed somebody who um, knew the league. Um, and it's a decision that paid off, really. So, um, as I say, relief more than anything. We can, look, we can look forward now as a football club rather than looking over our shoulders. You've already touched already there on David Challoner. What a difference he's made to you. Because yeah. prior to him coming in, you, you'd have to, to be one twelfth place finish was the best you'd had, I think, or something like that. Yeah, it would have been around mid table. Yeah, it's obviously been low mid table for most of the time in the National yeah. League, and he's come in and over obviously see half a season in his first season and then into last season. He's done an incredible job, hasn't he? I mean, fourth place finish, especially as you mentioned, amongst all those. Teams that are throwing money about for fun with a yeah. much lower budget than a lot of them. What a great yeah. job he's done! Absolutely, yeah. I think um, I think he, he's criminally underrated from everyone outside of of, mm. of pools. Um, as you, you you got to look at last season, we had a we had a lower a, a mid table to lower league budget, and he's got us promoted mm. um, through the playoffs. To be honest, he, as I say, we had no hope until he came in. Um, the biggest thing for me that is the home form. He's, he's turned the Vic into a fortress um, with and without fans. And it's been noticeable because um, even going into the the years before we got relegated, our home form um, wasn't too good. Um, alongside that, and again, you got looking at the budget, it's all right having a big budget to spend in the National League, um, but the recruitment has got to be good and his has been... Remarkable to be honest. Some of the players that he brought in last season, the likes of uh, Jamie Sterry, Luke Armstrong on loan, mm-hmm. even even pulling David Ferguson from from the National League North at York, and yes. just recruitment is key at that level. Um, he's been amazing for us. He's as I say, I think he's got a big future in in football management. It wouldn't surprise me to see him it's, it's moving to League One, even perhaps a Championship in years to come. Um, he can do no wrong in my eyes. I'm a huge fan of him. His philosophy, the way he goes about his business, he's really detailed. He, he analyses everything. Um, and it's really important that we get him tied down to a new contract sooner rather than later because um, there'll be clubs looking at him. If The longer the longer he, he becomes available, moving towards summer, I think clubs will look at him. Well, it may, it'd be easy for people to look and say, oh, well, he did well at AFC Files, but they had loads of money there. But 
he did a job really quickly there, actually, in getting them up the leagues and getting them so close to yeah. the football league. So actually, probably you're right. He deserves more credit than he actually gets. Yeah. Um, it's been a challenging summer for though for him though, hasn't it? Because preparing to get back into League Two over the last two seasons for both the clubs that have come up via yeah. the National League playoffs, there's been such a quick turnaround. How difficult has has that been for for the manager? Um, it's it's been really tough to be honest. I think I think Chalner's even said it himself. It's it's been tougher than um, what any of us could have envisaged. Obviously, when you win the playoff final. Uh, everyone's on a high. You don't really think about the short turnaround, but once you soon come back down to earth, um, you realise that it's going to be a challenge. Um, it was a positive consequence of of the situation. You know, if we didn't win yeah. the promotion final, then we'd still be on the back foot because I think we we still have less time to prepare for the new national league campaign, and then undoubtedly lost more key players than what we did with getting promoted. Um, it was catch twenty two. It was a catch twenty two situation. But full credit to to Chalner and the staff because they've really saved the ship. Um, especially with losing key players like Savrisa, Ryan Johnson, uh, Lewis Cass, um, it was imper- imperative for us to try and make the most of the momentum from promotion. wasn't helped by losing those players and having a, a bit of a blip throughout pre season. But um, after a positive start, all of that seems to be forgotten, and it seems to be like a level a level playing field now. Um, it was an issue at the time, obviously, because I think there was a COVID issue just before we started yeah. pre season, so we had a. A bit. We had short numbers in pre-season. Pre-season started a bit late because of the end of last season. Um, but again, it goes back to the the, the work that Chalner's done and, and being able to get us prepared. And and to be honest, from the start we've made, you you wouldn't really think that we've had less time to prepare because um, it, we've pretty much. I wouldn't say we've we, we've started perfectly, but there's definitely signs there that we could probably um, we we should be we should have enough to keep our heads above water. That's for sure. So you mentioned they're losing key players, and I the one that stood out to me is Reese Oates, obviously a top scorer last season. And you mentioned obviously Cass going to I think it was a Port Vale he's gone to. Yeah, I'm um, yeah. Jamie Sterry though, keeping hold mm. of him, how big is that been? Because he's a player that was attracting a lot of attention from other clubs over the summer, but you've tied him down to a new deal. Yeah, um, amazing, really, isn't it? You, you look at a, a player like Jamie Sterry, who's got the ability to play in League One, maybe lower in Championship. Um, but we we lose the likes of resource. I mean, for Sterry, it was it, it, it's probably worked for us because I think during last season he um, his partner had given birth, and obviously they live local to us. I think they live in, yeah. in Newcastle, where um, so that's probably helped us out there and to get him to sign a two year deal as well. Um, that was that was really good business from the club. So yeah, to be honest, and he started the season like a house on fire as well. He's he's really important to how we play. Um, both fullbacks actually both. Um, Sterry and Ferguson, they offer something a little bit different. They're both, um, especially with the system we play, allow us to play a lot higher. They allow us to, to stretch um, opposition defences with with how wide they play as well. Um, so they're both really important to us. But for Sterry, yeah, he's, he's got the ability to play higher and to, to get him tied down a two-year deal, um, which is great news for us. What are your hopes for this season then? Because a lot of people have actually tipped you guys to struggle. In fact, quite a few of the predictions have you guys mm. to finish bottom. I should say on our preseason prediction, I think we all said sort of lower to mid table sort of position for you guys. Yeah. How do you think you're going to on? How, what, what are your hopes? Um, yeah, I, I did see a lot of I did see a lot of the, the predictions in preseason and, and seeing a lot of people having a tip to go down. It wasn't wasn't a nice feeling, but especially with, with the way preseason was going, you're starting to you, there was excitement for the new season, but. 
there was a little bit of doubt as well if everyone if everyone's writing us off then there must be a lot of quality in this league but do you know what for I don't think it'd be too un- unambitious of myself to say that 22nd would be a great success but <laughs> I know that um, Chalner secretly won't, won't settle for that um, and he, he'll want to, to push on as high as he can um, but if you, you've got to put things in perspective a little bit um, especially with losing those key players in the pre-season I would just be very pleased with consolidation and building next season but with Chalner in charge, the sky is the limit. We could really, it, it could go either way, to be honest. And especially with the start we've made, um, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle the likes of Crawley and, and Walsall, but they don't. For me, I think we had tougher games towards in the last season, playing the likes of Stockport and and Notts County than we did against Walsall and, and Crawley. What I'd say is Crawley are a very weird team in this level. When you look at the squad, they look like a good solid League Two team. Yeah, but quite often they just do not turn up. And if they don't turn up, you know, the three points are up for grabs. And it looks like you guys did exactly that and took the chance against them. And Walsall are a weird one because some people think, seem to think they'll do okay, but they've really struggled so far. So it's a strange sort of start to the season, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Let's talk about the ex-Blues in your squad and how they're getting on. I mean, first up, Gary Liddell's one that I think both sets of fans know very well and mm. fairly well thought of, I think, at Carlisle, fair to say. Yeah, um, obviously I couldn't speak highly enough of, of Gary Little myself and I don't think many other Pills fans would. He's um, he's, he's a club legend um, in my eyes. He's Especially last season, he was a rock at the back um, in yeah. that sweeper role. He, he, he liked to keep on top of the other two centre-backs alongside of him um, with his experiences now. So, do you know what? During, I know he's had two spells here. He's had two promotions and over 300 appearances so you don't get much more of a, yeah. of a club legend than that. Um Speaking of, of Lids as well, last season, the sell key was to our promotion. I think he'd only lost one game um, when he'd played, and I think wow. it was a Bromley away. So it shows, even at his age, how important he was, um, and he continues to be um, a key figure in the team, obviously, for, with his experience for the season too. I think he's got pushing on over 600 appearances, hasn't he? First team appearances now in his career, which is quite a testament to how well he's doing, even at the age of 35 now. Um Couple of your summer sign or fr- your free summer signings, uh, the other ones, Olamola, Cullen, and Smith. Now, Olamola's mm. half season loan spell at Carlisle started really well, but it really tailed off towards the end and he just wasn't getting picked. Mark yeah. Cullen arrived injured and barely featured. And yeah. <laughs> uh, Ma- Martin Smith, blink, you'll miss him. I think he played two games for us. So, how, how are they doing? Um, do you know what? For, for Cullen and Smith, you pretty much summed it up for them. <laughs> So far, obviously, Cullen came in. Uh, I know there's been question marks over his fitness. He played a game at Runcorn Linnets and he scored in it, actually. Um, and then his second one against Spenny Town, I think he pulled up with a hamstring problem around 15 minutes in. Yeah. Um, so I know there are question marks over his fitness, but um, I don't think there are too many question marks about what he offers when he is fit because he's yeah. he, he's, a, he's at Fox in the box. He, he's got that know-how where to be and when to be in the right areas. Um, and I think if we can get him fit... He could be a really important player for us. Um, we lost a lot of goals last year with with Armstrong and Oates not not signing on for this season. So, as I say, if we can get him fit, get him in the right areas, because we put plenty of balls in the box, especially with Sterry and Ferguson. Um, he, I, I think, he could be a bit of a success. But he's obviously with Tyler Bury and, and Will Goodwin. Their start of the season, I think he might struggle to get in the team while they're um, playing how they are um, yeah. with Smith. I saw him over pre-season. Um, to be honest, he's going to have a job on his hands trying to get into our midfield. Um, 
Squad he played, padding, isn't it? Really, I think. <laughs> he, yeah, I think he's just a, a, an option for squad depth. He, he played against Crew in the uh, in the League Cup, and mm. um, I wasn't I wasn't too impressed with him. Yeah. But it's it's a difficult one for players when they're coming in for odd games because you feel like um, it'd be quite difficult for them. You need, they really need yeah. a run of games to build up that momentum, and and, and mm. you know that, I think that would that would be a boost for his confidence. But to be honest, I, I, I think he'd struggle getting into our midfield for the season. Yeah, and Olamola, how's he doing? Um, Interesting signing. Um, I know, well, from what I had read, he had a, a successful loan period at Carlisle and obviously went back to Scunthorpe, but he suffered with a few injuries. So I'm sure with a run of games, he could be a, a decent player for us. But he started the season, um, he started the first game and then got a knock um, mm. before the Barrow game. So we, I think he's been in around the, the first team pitcher. I know he, he scored in a in a bounce game at Middlesbrough on Monday. Mm. I, I think we beat them 2-0 and... He's an interesting one. I think with players, especially strikers, when they struggle with injuries and whatnot, I think what's important for them is they register the first goal sooner rather than later yeah. because it can really build confidence. Um, but I like what he offers. As I say, though, even going with, with Cullen, I think he's got stiff competition trying to get in ahead of Will Goodwin and Tyler Bury at the moment, though. Yeah, he's an interesting one, Olimona, for us because he, he came in and he did really well in that first six months. Mm. But then Chris Beach came in as manager to replace Presley. Yeah. And... Um, and yeah, he, he he just didn't, he struggled a bit after that and Beach wasn't really interested in using him. Good technical mm. player though, good at holding up the ball, good at laying it off. Absolutely, I think, yeah. I think he could be a good player for you. Um, and obviously, in terms of the memories of the ex-Pool players in our squad, uh, Lewis Alessandro had a decent spell with you guys, didn't he? And Gimme Tour as well a few years ago. Yeah, both did. Um We'll start with Lewis Alessandro. A bit unfortunate for him because that was a season where he got relegated yeah. and he was one that... Um, I was really excited by when he signed. He's got a lot of experience, um, quite skillful, good on the ball. He can finish. Um, he's quite a useful player. I, I did like Lewis Alessandro, but what I think the issue was for him, I, we played Blackpool at home uh, on Boxing Day and he missed a penalty. And The manager at the time, Craig Hignett, absolutely hung him out to dry for missing a penalty, blamed the defeat on him, which it's um, it was typical of Craig Hignett. That. But yeah, Alessandro was, was really good for us. Um, I, I don't think he would have... Well, he, he obviously didn't drop into National League with us. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do keep an eye on Alessandro, even at Carlisle, because, as I say, I did like him. Um, mm-hmm. A good player. And Do you know what? Had, had we not been relegated, it would been good to to see him again in the season after, see how we could have mm-hmm. d- developed under a new manager, if that was yeah. if that was the case. And obviously, Gimme, he's a, he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he, for us? Yeah. He's, he's a player you, you're not quite sure what he's going to do next, are you? No, it can be it can be quite erratic, but he's an exciting player. Um, he started the season. It was the nineteen twenty season. He started like a house on fire. He signed from I believe it was Sutton. Controversially, actually signing. Um, he signed for Sutton from Dave Chalmers AFC file, but I think there was a case of um, some some trickery from Jimmy's agent at the time, and I don't think Chalmers was too impressed with that. But yeah, again, Jimmy was another one I liked. Um, an exciting player. Especially when he was on the ball, he had the um, he had all the ability in the world. When he had the ball, some of the goals he scored for us, and some of the tricks he did, he would he would um, he would he would send defenders to the shop, wouldn't he, with his yeah. little his little fake his little feints and whatnot. But yeah, I, I like Jimmy Tierney. There was always going to be questions asked of him when Chalmers came in because of how it ended at Fylde. Um But he can be a really controversial figure as well. I know he got um, there was an incident when we played Oxford in the FA Cup, and he he got. He got sent off after the game. I think there was some retrospective action um, mm. taken against him. And 
I, I have no idea. I was at the game. I had no idea that happened. <laughs> but yeah, I w- it was an interesting one. Obviously, when when I'd like to have kept him, but yeah. I always knew that there'd be EFL clubs looking at him because um, he's exciting. And, and I know it, it's been it's been frustrating for him at Carlisle, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's, it's funny you mentioned Red Cars there because he, he started the season so well, and then we played a game down at Exeter where he was stamped on this. by an Exeter player. It was a blatant stamp, and the yeah. referee missed it. And yeah. he got up and he basically headbutted the Exeter <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a real headbutt. He sort of leaned in and the player made a meal of it. Yeah. But he got sent off in that game and he, he never really got back into the starting eleven much after that. Um, but, I mean, he's got all the ability and he can be so exciting. But yeah. I think it was tough for him last season because with all the restrictions on travel, with lockdowns and stuff like that, a lot of his family's based in France. So he essentially didn't get to see his family mm. for a huge amount of the season, I think. So I think he yeah. found it tough second half. So that's the reason we decided to extend his deal and take out the option to extend it. Yeah. Um, to give do, him do you know who he, who he reminds me of? Yeah. Do, do you remember Nathan Thomas? Nathan you know Thomas. I was talking about him with a mate just before because he's not got a club yet. He's, he's left Hamilton in the last season. He's still not got a club. Thomas, again, for us, one of those players on his day, he was unplayable. Absolutely. So hit and miss with it. That was his problem. Yeah. yeah great little player. Um, before we get into the predictions, I want to ask you a quick one here about mm. the, the rivalry of Carlisle, if you want to call it that. Because I mean, some of our younger fans in particular, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm quite a victim of about this. I don't really see Hartlepool as a massive rival in that sense. I suspect Hartlepool fans, most of them, don't see Carlisle's rival either. But mm. our younger fans do try to build up a bit of a rivalry. Yeah, We've got Barrow now in our division, so it's, it's interesting <laughs> for us. We've actually got a Cumbrian team to play, although they don't think they're Cumbrian, and we don't really want them in Cumbria. Um What's your views on this rivalry then? Um, do you see us as rivals or not? I guess you guys must quite miss playing against Darlington quite a lot. Yeah, I think I think there's a bit of truth from what you're saying now about the younger generation because it builds excitement, doesn't it? If you've got a, a game in the season where you pinpoint and go, oh, I can't wait for that, the atmosphere. The atmosphere is obviously another thing that makes it a, a, a bit of a rivalry. Um, and obviously with us, I think... What coincides with that is the fact that we've played each other so many times at this level yeah. that it almost yeah. turns into one. Um, so for me, it has become a bit of a rivalry, which I don't mind, to be honest, because mm. as I say, it gives you something to look forward to. I wouldn't go as far as saying it was as big as a, a Poolsley Darlington. Yeah. Um, but I'd much prefer the uh, the rivalry to be with Carlisle rather than Barrow because they were trying to force one of us when we played them at Holker Street the other week. Mm, um, strange one, that one. For me... <laughs> Pools and Carlisle, the two two great football clubs at this level, well supported. We've had some great battles on the pitch. It's rarely been a a dull. Apart from, yeah. I, I can remember when we played you at Brunton Park and you beat us one nil in two thousand sixteen. But it's rarely been a dull a dull game when we've played you. No, it's all, there's always goals, isn't there? Generally, generally when we absolutely. Play. I remember. I remember. Um, I remember when you beat us three two at the Vic and Billy Painter celebrated and Keith Kell, which probably wasn't the wisest idea in yeah. hindsight, but yeah, at the time it adds a bit of spice, doesn't it? Yeah, there was an interesting one. I think Granger scored and Jabo Beery got a couple of goals for that. Oh, Jabo's a big hero of ours, Jabo. So. He scored. He scores so many times. I think he's one. I think for, if I look at the stats, I think he probably scored against us the most for throughout his whole career. He, he used to do it against Carlisle all the time. It was great when we signed him. Like great, he can't score against us. But then he was way better for us than we expected in the end, really. But, uh, but there you go. Actually, before I do the predictions, something else I forgot to ask you. Do you. Have you got any memories of Chris Beach as a player for Hartlepool? I don't know. I, I was born. I think I was born in the year that he signed, he left us oh, to well, sign for Huddersfield. 
There you go. So it's a bit, bit, a bit, a uh, bit young for that one. I, I vaguely remember him playing against Carlisle, which is giving away my age there. I think he's, um, I think he's done really well at Carlisle, and yeah. especially the start he made. I know you had that big issue with COVID uh, yeah, at the time, which true. didn't help. And um, I think I know there's been question marks of him, obviously, with the second half of the season and the form and whatnot. But um, he's actually one who I wouldn't mind managing pools one day. Um, mm. Obviously, having a connection with the club, but I'm really keen to see how he gets on this season because, as I say, had it not been for COVID last year, I think he would have definitely been in the top seven. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, still a sore point for us, I think it's fair to yeah. say. Yeah. Um, go on then, John, let's have your prediction for tomorrow. I guess the weekend even. Uh, can I be really boring and sit on the fence and say 2-2? Two, two? Um, I yeah. think 2-2 two, two because there's always lots of goals in it, especially at the yeah. Vic. Um, and I, well, I'd, uh, you, Someone's got to give, I believe, in the law of averages, though. And obviously what, what's pushing me away from the draw now is the fact that you've not won or lost yet, have you? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is a tough one to call, but I'll sit on the fence and I'll say two two, um, and I, I think goals from to uh, Alessandra, um, Little, and Olamola. How about that? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what will happen. You know, just, just <laughs> there you go. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us, John. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Okay, thanks, John, for taking the time to speak to us, um, and hopefully you're enjoying your time back in the football league. Hopefully not too much this weekend, though. Right, let's look ahead to the game now then, Dan. Um, yeah, so first trip to Hartlepool in, what, five seasons, is it? Uh, after their time in the National League. A little bit longer than we had down there, I think it's fair to say. Um, so this weekend, uh, the referee for the game is Andy Woolmer. Um, vastly experienced referee. Because, I mean, most of the refs we had this season, haven't they? They're about second or third season as the EFL ref. This is his 18th season in the EFL as an official. It's pretty, pretty good guy, isn't it? It's pretty good, yeah. And he generally takes charge of championship games and the occasional League One game. So quite rare that he drops down to a League Two level, which maybe says the EFL are looking at this sort of game and thinking bigger way following potential for a bit of bit of bothering, a bit of a few tackles going in. So uh, he sent these down to our level. Um, last season, he took charge of 31 games, handing out 93 yellows, but just one red card. That's quite impressive as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. But funny enough, actually, look back at his record. And I think in his last season as a National League referee, he refereed, I think, 16 games at level and handed out 11 red cards. <laughs> so he's, he's clearly mellowed in his old age, isn't he? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, he hasn't refereed a United game since the 2017-18 season where he took charge of our 1-1 draw at Gillingham in the FA Cup first round tie. Um, I think Danny Granger scored a penalty in that game. Did we win the replay of that one? I can't remember. I think we did, yeah. Possibly did, yeah. I don't know. I can't even remember who we got in the third round in that season, but... Don't think it was anyone good, but there you go. Um, okay, head to head record. We played pools 104 times in our history. I don't think we played anyone else more. Rochdale, maybe at a push. Possibly they're, Derry. They're def- definitely up there. For... They'll be up there. I think Darlington were quite high up there as well at one point. So, And the fact that the, I think Hartlepool have never played outside the third and fourth tiers, have they? They've never played higher than that. So yeah. it would make sense that we probably played them the most. Um, we've won 50 times, there's been 18 draws, and Hartlepool have won 36 times. So one of those rare occasions where we're comprehensively on top in the head-to-heads so far. We play, uh, just to cut in, we played Sheffield in the third round at home. Correct, I remember that now, yes. Because ah, yes, Sam Cosgrove had a great game, didn't he? Yeah, remember, yeah. and then got transferred two weeks later. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. Um, okay, classic clash. There's plenty of games that could have gone for here, Dan, isn't there? They could have gone for the 3-2 game where Jabbo and Danny scored and... Billy Painter did his thing in front of Keith Curl. I could have gone for the 5-1 win on Boxing Day. 
1994. Obviously, we played the next day against Berry, didn't we? Incredibly back then. But now, Dan, I've gone back 93 years. Yes, I've (laughs) gone back to United's first season in the Football League. And we're going to look at uh, the second ever home fixture in the Football League, this one. Pools with the visitors to Brunton Park and the 7,346 fans who crammed into the ramshackle stands couldn't quite have expected what was to come, could they, Dan? I think it's fair to say. No, definitely not. <laughs> no. I found an old uh, match report from Athletic News. So it's not The Athletic, but it's it's an old, um, on the British newspaper archive. Um, and that, back in the day, they stated that uh, despite Pools losing their players spry early in the game, they were simply no match for the speedy, weighty and skilled Carlisle side. Weighty is a weird description, isn't it? I'm yeah. guessing just big physical lad is what they were saying, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, there you go. United race into a first half 5-0 lead. Hutchinson opened the scoring after nine minutes with Agar grabbing a second on the quarter hour mark. By the 30 minute mark, Jimmy McConnell grabbed the third goal before before both. He and Hutchinson scored again before the break with United having another goal dislodged. So it should have been 6-0 potentially at half time in this game. Uh, Robinson grabbed a long-range sixth goal for United in the second half before Ward missed a penalty, but then scored a seventh before McConnell secured his hat-trick and United's eighth to complete the route. I mean, it could have been 10-0 potentially this game. Yeah. <laughs> That's, this was our third game in the Football League. Quite incredible, that second home game. Um, the final whistle uh, ended a miserable afternoon for the visitors as the Blues picked up what remains their record league victory only equalled on Christmas Day 1952 against Scunthorpe United. In a Division 3 North that featured long-departed clubs including Ashington, Nelson, New Brighton, Southport and South Shields, the Blues finished an impressive 8th place in their first Football League campaign, but it wouldn't be until 34 years later that United would actually secure their first ever promotion. So there you go, Dan. We haven't got YouTube highlights of this one, unfortunately. But, uh, no, shame. shame. <laughs> real shame, that bit. Yeah. Quite incredible. You look back at some of the teams that were involved back then, isn't it, really? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, basically, a, a who's who of the sort of northeast non-league teams and Merseyside as well, isn't it, really? Yeah. And there you go. Um, play for both, Dan. So this is your bit. So uh, I've, we've got a long list to get through in a second. So go on, Dan. Tell me who you're picking. I've picked a player who not only did he play for both teams, he played for both teams twice. Uh, he was born in Newcastle upon Tyne in January 63. Can I guess? I think it'll be easy to guess. Go on. Uh, is it Paul Baker? It is. David ah, Paul Baker. Yeah. Yeah. He of the floppy sort of indie side part in her. Yeah, he had sort of like curtains, didn't he, by the time he came back the second yeah. time. Yeah. A product of the uh, famous Wallsend Boys Club. Yeah. Uh, progressed to Bishop Auckland before Southampton bought him for £4,000 in the <laughs> summer of 84. But uh, he didn't really break in and settle down there. And he came to Carlisle on a free transfer in the summer of 85. Mm. And uh, he scored 70... He played 71 games in the league... Scored 11 goals and uh, did quite well. And then he moved to Hartlepool on a free transfer. And he, he was at Hartlepool for a good five years and mm. uh, nearly 200 league games, 67 goals. You know, he's he was really, really good. Uh, yeah. And he eventually he played up front with uh, Joe Allen at the time. They were quite a, quite a good partnership, Baker and mm. Allen. Not not on looker was he, Joe Allen. I think it's fair to say. No, no, <laughs> and no, no one will ever forget Joe Allen's white boots on Boxing Day at Brunton Park once. Mm, yeah, 
But uh, Baker then moved uh, to Motherwell for £77,500 in 92. But uh, he didn't really settle there and he moved on to Gillingham in uh, January 93. Extremely fat, isn't it? But he did quite well there. Again, he's 16 goals, 60-odd games before he... uh, he moved to York for for only fifteen thousand pounds, October ninety four. But uh, he was he was settled at York, scored eighteen in forty eight, and then he went on uh, his travels again off to Torquay, as you do, for twenty five grand. <laughs> He's had quite a few transfer fees, hasn't he? Yeah. But uh, whilst he settled on the playing side, he wanted to come back north, so he went to uh, uh, where's it going to Scunthorpe. <laughs> yes. He was going to go to Rochdale, but they couldn't uh, meet his demand, so he went to Scunthorpe, scored eight in thirty, and uh, sorry that was at Torquay, and then Scunthorpe nine in twenty one before he uh, winded up back at Hartlepool as a player coach. Underneath and, Mick Tate, wasn't he? He was his manager. Then. Yes, and he saw he scored ten in thirty eight, and he actually in summer ninety eight he declined an offer to become Torquay's player manager. Mm. And once sort of Mick Tate went, his time was starting to come to an end. But uh, he obviously got released in '99, and uh, he was. Funny enough, he nearly joined newly relegated Scarborough. I wonder who relegated them. (laughs) But uh, no, he uh, he came back to Carlisle and he made another seventeen appearances, scored a couple of goals. And I mean, at this at this time, he was 37, 36, 37 year old, you know. Mm. But uh, he drifted, he drifted into the northeast non-league scene, little spells at Bedlington, Durham, and Blythe, where he became manager of Blythe for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, he was manager at Newcastle Benfield for a couple of years, little spell at Newcastle Blue Star, and then he went into scouting, um, Glen Rhodes, Norwich City. Yeah, he d- he does a lot of um, media work actually. Because when I was working at the club, he used to do stuff for um, the press association. So back in the day, they have someone on the phone basically yeah, telling yeah. them the stats of what's happening and who's taking shots and things like that and stuff. And I I've sat next to him a few times. Really, really nice bloke, I have to say actually. Mm. And he he's, he offered actually to do some an interview with me actually at some point when I was it was after I'd left the club. So. I'll have to try and drop a message to him because I think he's he's on a few things like LinkedIn or something like that. So I'll drop him a message yeah, and see if yeah. we can get him on because interesting playing career, I think it's fair to say. And yeah, actually, yeah. it should be noted that time actually when he was back at United, he was player coach, wasn't he, in that second spell? Yeah, um, yeah. At times, he was de facto manager, wasn't he? Because Martin Wilkinson wasn't really <laughs> in charge, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. So, oh, the good old days. Yeah, again, Neil Cooper was a bit of a, an unusual uh, character as well, wasn't he? Yeah, time. yeah. So, yeah, he... Yeah, I think he did as well as he could, and he—I think he was quite a useful figure, wasn't he, in guiding Scott Derby? I think wasn't he in that, that yeah, season yeah, particularly? Yeah. So, so yeah, now Paul Bacon, an interesting name there from the from the past. Time. Can you remember his first spell when he was playing, or a little bit? Very, you remember? very, very faintly. Yeah, because it would have been round about the time you started going. Yeah, and um, the the full list of players who played for both is massive. It's massive, as you'd expect. I mean, only really sort of Darlington and maybe. I don't know, maybe some of the sort of Lancashire clubs possibly would have more, but there you go. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Billy Adams. Now, he was in, I think, the 30s possibly, so he's one from a long time ago. One of the current playing squad, Lulis Alessandra, he had a spell there, didn't he? And quite a good spell, actually. I think he was at 40 games, nine goals, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he's quite well thought of from his time there. A player who's very well thought of by both sets of fans, Paul Arneson. 
enjoying himself out in uh, in um, Australia these days, isn't he? Yeah. Um, David Atkins had a load spell at Hartlepool, but he never played a game for them from Middlesbrough. Yeah. Obviously, he played for us quite a bit. I think a player who wasn't wasn't used particularly well by um, Curl, I don't think, but uh, that's just my opinion. Um, Paul Baker, as you previously mentioned, John Bass, there's mm. a name from the past as well. Um, Peter Beardsley, of course, finished his career, didn't he, with uh, with Hartlepool. Um, here's someone who's not played for United, but he's managed United. In fact, he's currently managing United. Chris Beach. Yeah. He had a very successful spell there, did he, at Hartlepool? Like yeah, four, three yeah. or four seasons. I think he averaged like one in four from midfield in terms of goals, which is pretty good going. Um, Richie Bennett, once again, mentioned him for the second time in a few weeks. Um, Mick Buckley, do you remember him? Dan, I think he would have been just about the start of the following time. 80s N- Name-wise, name yeah, but yeah. not. not. No, yeah. uh, Nathan Buddle began his career. Uh, Hartlepool um, didn't really play for them though um, Martin Burley there's a name going back you, you mm. might vaguely remember him <laughs> I think he was 80s as well um, yeah. Kagi had a spell as a player coach there just after he left United but never played a game I don't think he did, he did re-register in case yeah. didn't he yeah, I think he was possibly played. on the bench a couple of times wasn't yeah. he yeah uh, Adam Campbell he's had a spell at um, Hartlepool Kevin Carr um Peter Carr, John Cullen, we mentioned him recently. Mark Cullen yeah. is obviously there now. Andy Dibble, yeah. uh, have gloves, will travel. That was the, the, <laughs> the season of the season of fifty keepers. Indeed, indeed. Kevin Dixon, uh, player from the eighties. I don't remember him. Darren, I don't know if you remember him. I think again, he's one probably right at the start of your time yeah. the club. Daryl Duffy. I think he had quite a decent spell at Highley Bill, didn't he? Compared against yeah. his spell with us, um, Stuart Elliott. Again, a man who's played for about a million different clubs there. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Entwistle. You had a yeah, I can, I, can, I can remember Wayne Entwistle. Uh, someone who didn't have a particularly great time with us, but had a very good time at Hartlepool, I seem to remember. Chris Freestone. Yeah. Um, Joe Fryer, he had a short loan spell with um, Pools as well. Here's a blast from the past, Dan. Ricardo Gaviadini. Ah, carry on. The, the lesser of the Gaviadini brothers, unfortunately, yeah. played for us. Yeah. Uh, one of our greatest ever players, Bill Green. Uh, I think he started at Hartlepool, actually. Uh, Lewis Guy had a spell there. Paul Haig. Uh, one of my favourite players of all time, just for the, the cult status, really, of him. Stephen Halliday. Yeah. A player who should really have played at a lot higher level than he did, shouldn't he? Um, Kevin Henderson, quite fondly remembered. He only had a short mm. spell with us, but did a good job while he was here. Uh, Evan Horwood. Jason Kennedy. Gary Liddell. Joe Livingston. Um... Kenny Lowe, um, he had a bit of a spell at Hartlepool, I think. Uh, Gary McDonald, Joe Mantle, uh, Aidan McCaffrey, uh, John Ooh, McCarthy. Uh, we're going through some names now, aren't we? David, David McCreary, um, David McKellar, who um, uh, quite fondly remembered, isn't he, for his time at the, the club. Um, Rab McKinnon, um, famously scored a brilliant goal against Hartlepool, didn't he, for us? In the uh, auto windscreen shield, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. It was a volley from about 35 yards into the top corner, something like that. It's about um, all he did. It literally was. I mean, he, he, <laughs> he was a big lad, wasn't he, by the time yeah, he signed for us. Yeah. But I think he's very well thought of at Hartlepool, wasn't he? And yeah, in fact, yeah. when he was at Hartlepool, he had a loan spell at Man United. <laughs> Bizarre to think that would even happen now, isn't it, really? But uh, there you go. Um, Liam McSweeney, uh, Paul Murray, um, Les Murphy, 
Liam Noble, of course, had a spell at Pools as well. Uh, one of their current players, Olafelo Olamola. Um, late 90s Loney, Anthony Ormerod. Uh, one of your favourites, Dan, next, Billy Painter. Definitely one of your favourites next, uh, Dan, Mally Poskett. No, no, uh, it's Super Mally Poskett. Super Mally Poskett, I do apologise. Yeah. Uh, another travelling goalkeeper here, Mark Prudo. Yeah. Um, Michael Raines. Paul Robinson, I think he did a loan spell when Roddy was in charge, seem to remember. Was he from Newcastle? He was at Wimbledon by the time we signed him on loan. But he, yeah, was at, yeah. He, he, I think he might have um, come on for Alan Shearer in his debut or something like that in Newcastle. Yeah, something yeah. Like that, I seem to remember. Um, one of my favourites, Matty Robson, Alan Shoulder, Barry Siddle, we mentioned obviously the other week, didn't we? Yeah, Connor Simpson, yeah. Jeff Smith, Martin Smith, Anthony Sweeney, Mick Tate, we mentioned just before. Nathan Thomas, he's still not getting himself another club, has he? Mm. He's still looking for another club, which is unusual. Uh, Gibby Tory had a decent spell at Hartlepool. Um, one of our one-game wonders, Steve Tupling, Eric Welsh, Harry Worley, and finally Charlie Wyke. There you go, that's the full list, Dan. That's God. some list, isn't it? It really is, and I, to be honest, I reckon I probably missed a few of that as well, because yeah, yeah. it's just impossible to try and track them all down as you go along. So there you go. Well, let's talk about Hartlepool United, the current team now then, Dan. Um so obviously over the summer they returned to the EFL uh, via the National League playoffs after four seasons as a non-league side. It, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, does it really? Because I can remember playing them under Curl. So it seems weird that they're, they've been down there for that long. Um, and as has been the case in recent seasons, there's a very quick turnaround from winning the National League playoffs to the start of the EFL season. I think that might start to work itself out a bit better, won't it? I think this summer, I think it'll be back to normal, won't it? But the last two seasons has been a bit of a nightmare for whichever clubs come up through the playoffs, isn't it, really, in terms of getting the squad prepared for the current season? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been, obviously, victims of circumstance. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it can't be helped. And they, probably, they probably haven't even had a holiday, some of these lads, but, you know, uh, I'm sure they're not complaining because it's, you know, they're back in the league, so... Indeed they are, indeed they are. And the man responsible for that is uh, the manager, Dave Chandler. Um name might be familiar to some older fans who probably remember him when he was at Tramere Rovers and he had the world, Guinness World Record for the longest throw-in, didn't he? Um, now, everyone thinks, obviously, oh, Rory Delap's throw-in must be longer, but I actually went back and watched some YouTube clips Chaloner's of Chandler. Chandler could literally put it on beyond the far post. That's how long he could throw it. Challoner was more of an arcing throw, whereas Delap was like a cross. Yeah. So Delap sort of improved upon what Challoner was doing, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Not as much distance, but the way his technique yeah, was the yeah, key thing, yeah, as much as anything, yeah. wasn't it? Um, so yeah, he was he was probably better known for that. But uh, he's built up a really good reputation as a non-league manager, hasn't he? Um, mm, he mm. started out at Colwyn Bay in North Wales. Now Colwyn Bay actually play in the well, they did in the English setup, didn't they? I don't know if they've moved to Wales now, possibly. I'm not 100% on that one. Um, but then he moved to Lancashire to take charge of AFC Fylde for eight... I didn't realise it was eight seasons he was in charge. Yeah. And I know they've got they've had money for them. But still, he managed to get them three promotions at that time. He got them within 90 minutes of the Football League. Only stato, to lose. stato interruption. Yeah, Colwyn Bear currently in the Cumru North, the second tier of the Welsh Pyramids. Well, they, I, I, I had a feeling they'd moved back over there, hadn't they? Because they were definitely in the English system, I'm sure, about yeah. four or five seasons ago. Nineteen twenty, they uh, went back over. 
Uh, probably just the traveling and stuff like that, isn't it? I think they'd, yeah. they'd want to do. Um, so yeah, he's, he's done a, a brilliant job at FC Fylde, 90 minutes away from the Football League, only to get beat 3-0 by even bigger money bags, <laughs> Salford City, uh, in the final few years ago. But they did actually win the FA Trophy final uh, that summer. They beat uh, Champions Leighton Orient 1-0 at Wembley to get their first ever uh, Football League, uh, sorry, FA Trophy winner, I do believe. Um He's done a really impressive job turning around a listing Hartlepool side, though, hasn't he, Dan, when you look at it? Because I look back, and until last season, I think their best place finish in the National League was 12th place, possibly. And, you know, a lot of teams go down and find it difficult, but Hartlepool find it particularly difficult. In fact, I got you up here. First season down in the National League, they finished 15th. Second league, second season, sorry, 16th. He came in in November 2019. In that season, they finished 12th. Last season, they finished 4th. And they didn't have a massive budget, did they? Compared against the likes of Stockport and yeah, yeah. even, you know, obviously Wrexham's money sort of more now. Chesterf- Chesterfield and all them. Chesterfield, Notts County, people like that. To actually get them up, they didn't expect to go up, did they? I mean, that's one of the things that stood out. They apparently were preparing their squad for another go in the National League this season. And were sort of a bit surprised that they'd actually managed to do it for the playoffs. Because obviously, yeah. playoffs in the National League, there's six teams in it, isn't there? So yeah, it's a bit yeah. more wide open. And they managed to beat Stockport, I think, in the semi-final, wasn't it? And then obviously Torquay, who'd been so unlucky not to get promoted automatically in the playoff final. It's been a tough summer for them, hasn't it? Because they've lost a few key players. Yeah. uh, And obviously, as we've already mentioned, the sort of turnaround time, you know I mean? With the the sort of unpredictability of the National League playoffs, you know, he was probably planning twice, you know, once for the Mm. conference season and once in case we do go up. So... You know, it's uh, you know, it's hard time to be a man- well, not a hard time to be a manager, but a challenging. hard working, <laughs> hard working and challenging. I think would be fair. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think no, but I mean, if, if anyone can, Challenger probably can because he's uh, like we've, we've just said, he's he's not a bad manager, is he? No, he's done a decent job, and I think a lot of people have looked at his time as manager filed and said, "Oh, it's all right doing it there because you got big money behind you, haven't you?" So you know, that it, 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 it's an easy job. But actually, when you look at the job he's done at Hartlepool with a much lower budget, full credit to the man. He's done a really good mm. job there. Um, star man. Uh, there's a few players I could have picked up for this, but I've gone for Jamie Sterry. Um, he's a player I think you've mentioned a few times, Dan, I've been quite impressed by. Because I know you watch a little bit of National League football, don't you, on, on the BT Sport channels? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Uh, he yeah. plays right wing back a lot. And, uh, you know, he signed a new deal. There was interest in him. Yeah. Uh, if he if he carries on this season, I, I don't think he'll be there for that long. But no, you know, no, but they've, they've got quite a good spread of players to be fair. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you're looking at. I mean, experience is going to be key for them, obviously, in terms of establishing themselves this season. And no one better in that sense than Gary Little is there, who's got well, no, he's been no. pushing on 700 appearances as a professional now. So he playing at the heart of defence will be a massive play for them. They also signed uh, Jake Lawler, didn't they? He did really well at Harrogate last season, actually. I was quite surprised that he left them. Um, mm. So he, he's he gone to partner him in defence there. Um, Nicky Featherston in midfield has got bags of experience as well, hasn't he? I think he was at Hull City a few years ago. Um, but probably one of the more exciting players in attack, and he started the season really well, is Gavin Houlihan, um, or Hollahan. I think you, you pronounce it. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be one to watch this season as well, isn't he? I think it's fair to say. I, I think with sort of that bit of experience, you can't see them getting hammered much, can you? 
No, I mean, I'm surprised because a lot of the preseason previews were predicting that they were going to finish bottom and stuff like that. And I thought, no, no. I, I think I think people are underrating actually how good a manager Charlton is and actually how solid the squad actually does look. There's, there's, there's plenty of decent experienced players in there. I mean, Cullen up front, I know he doesn't. he's not going to play that many games because he's always injured, but he adds a little bit more up there. I, I think if they can... If they can get a decent way of playing their style, Olamola is one who could potentially be a really good player for them. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's. I, I think looking at the team, I think that they'll, they'll do all right. I, I don't think they're, they're going to be in any danger of going down. Yeah, solid enough. I think it, it's fair to say. Start of the season, I think they've been quite fortunate. The fixtures they've had have been probably quite kind to them, haven't they? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean. Uh... The game against Barrow was just one of them classic ding dong matches, wasn't it? You know, yeah. it's. I think I, from from seeing the highlights of that game, either team could have won that it? game. Yeah, yeah. I think you you're know, going to find that Barrow this season. A lot of games that are going to be weird scorelines because of the, the a, conditions. Apart from there. when we go and put them in the place. Steady on, Don. Steady on. <laughs> That's going to go blow back in our face come that time next April or whenever it is we play them. We'll, um, we'll just wear the same kit as Aston Villa. Yeah, well, I mean, they opened up the season against Crawley Town, and Crawley are just a weird team, aren't they, really? Yeah, they? yeah. They just, when they fancy it, they seem to be quite decent, but when they don't, they're usually quite a comfortable side to play. As yeah. you mentioned, they lost against Hartlepool in the, the first away Barrow. game. Barrow, Barrow. Sorry, lost against Barrow in the first away yeah. game. And then they played Walsall, who were early season strugglers, and got a 2-0 win there. I think they were supposed to play Harrogate in one of those games as well, possibly, weren't they? I think that was one of the... Or was it Newport, maybe? One of those games that was called. Yeah, yeah. Possibly, uh, early on in the season. So they've only played three games compared to the four that we've played. And uh, they're ahead of us on goal difference so far, aren't they? So uh, pretty pretty tight at the top so far, though, isn't it? But there you go. Um, it's weird what Harley pulls away trip, isn't it? Because neither of us are going to the game this weekend. Mike is, so we'll get his thoughts on the game next week. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't look forward to it as much as some of our younger fans do. Maybe no, I'm a bit old and jaded about it in that sense. But uh, It's definitely a younger part of the fan base who see it yeah. as a, a derby game. To me, I were, when, I, when I was these people's age, we were playing Preston, Wigan and Burnley every yeah. other month, you know, and they, 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 they were proper games. Even against you know, Darlington I, as well. Were well, I was just fans. about to say, I mean, I always preferred going to Darlington than Hartlepool. It's just mm. the same more of a rival. I mean, Hartlepool and Darlington hate each other. That'll never, ever go. Yeah. But I, I always preferred going to Darlington and Hartlepool. But it's, you know, it's still a good day out. And, we, we, you know, we've we sold our our tickets out and there's there's still plenty of people looking. So, you know, we, we could probably have yeah. sold a few more. So Yeah, it's one of those ones. I mean, Victoria Park's not changed in the book. Trying to think when I first went, I would have probably first gone round about 2000, 2001. And it's not changed a single bit in that time. It's, no. it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because I think the council owned the ground and there's always been a bit of a dispute over renovating it and doing works to it. And the club have been reluctant to do anything unless they actually own the ground. So I, I think there's something might have been resolved to do with that in recent years, possibly. Um, I'll have to have a look at that one. But but yeah, it's one of those grounds. I mean, it's not the greatest away end in the world either, is it really? Comfort wise, cramped in seats, yeah. quite a low down, not really re- very raised view. So yeah, but yeah, I hope everyone enjoys the game at least. Anyway, I sound like a proper Victor Meldrew miserable get <laughs> yeah. there. I talk about, but yeah. but yeah, it's one of those ones. I'm looking forward to Sutton 
next month as my first weekend away trip of the season. Um, yeah. Let's talk about United then, Dan. Um, I think we're in agreement here. It's time to change things up front. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, it'll never happen, but I'd be quite happy to go 4-4-2 for this game and mm. play Dickinson and Toure on the wings because Toure will want to play well against them. Yeah. Definitely. And then I would pl- then I would play Clough behind Abrams. Who would you be midfield it, to though if you did that? Probably do. Mm, it's a tough I'd, one, isn't it? This, yeah, this is where the tough this is where the tough decision is because Guy's starting whatever he's captain. He's our best player. Yeah. But he's, he's not going to be dropped. Riley started the season brilliantly, having been initially dropped for the first game and then coming in when Clough got injured in the warm up. And it's exactly the sort of game where you want Mellish to oh, play, isn't it? Mellish would so. be, I mean, probably the sort of game will get sent off in. But, but you yeah. know, it's one of those, although he's not been sent off throws yet, so it's probably been a bit harsh that. But um, but again, we've seen Mellish this season. When he comes off in games, we struggle a bit. So it's a, it's a tough decision. You do wonder, maybe even if you do that 4-4-2, do you maybe stick Riley on one of the wings, possibly? Or oh, you could start Riley, then bring on Mellish with an hour, with an hour gone, which... Yeah. You know, would be there. Uh, they'd be like, "Oh Christ, what's this?" <laughs> exactly. You know, that. Yeah, this this is all we need for the last, uh, the last few, last twenty minutes or whatever. Definitely. But it's, it's a tough decision to make, isn't it? Because, like, like you said, they, I, for me, I probably would drop Alessandro. Whatever happens, I think he, he needs a bit of a break, and I think we maybe need to have a, a look at something different. I think you obviously want to try and get Clough into the team now because you want to get him starting games. Yeah. So then the question is, do you? Do you stick with Dickinson as well, or do you maybe bring Tory in, like you said, against his old club because he want to impress? It's it's a tough one. It is a tough one, and I, I think general agreement is we probably don't change things at the back. I think that's that's fine at the moment. Although, I mean, it's a point someone's raised to me. Jack Armour's getting done quite a lot on the inside in terms of the balls played inside him, so it's something he needs to work on. Or you maybe have to start looking and getting in some backup for him to give mm. quite a bit of pressure on him. Possibly. Don't think we need backup for Tanner. I think he's been brilliant so far this season. I think he's done really well. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a tough one to judge, isn't it, that one? Uh, yeah. Do you bring Brad Young in or do you stick with him off the bench for now? Off off the bench for now, I think. I think he, even though Abrahams has scored a penalty as a goal, you know, he's, he's scored two and four at the end of the day, yeah. so he deserves his start still. Definitely, definitely. Okay then, Dan, uh, let's have your prediction. Oh, I really don't know with this one. I'm going to go for a blood and thunder two all draw. Ooh, you, and I'm going scorers. to I'm going to go for Rod McDonald header. Oh, and Zach Clough to break his duck for the season. Ah, well there you go. Uh, okay, well, let's have Mike's predictions. Um, he sent me these. I haven't listened to them yet, so let's see what he's got to say. I am going to go for a 2-1 win to the Blues with a John Mellish brace in front of his extended northeast family who will no doubt be in the stands cheering him on. Very, very precise though, isn't he? He's saying yeah. who's going to be attending the game as well. Yeah, um, his, his, his auntie and his great uncle. And... <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to be there. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win as well. But no, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win. 3-1 win. Uh, Mellish will score one. Clough will get one, and I'm going to go for George Tanner to score one as well because he's had a few sighters so far this season. I think yeah. 
he fancies himself to get a goal early on. And he's the kind of player who likes scoring in front. Of, I reckon in front of like a, a good away following of a Gillen job. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the predictions uh, for this week. I'll, I, what I'll do is after, before the next episode, I'll put together a little table of how we've done so far. Not very well, I think, is the answer, but uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> see how it goes. Um, okay, up next, the X-Files, Dan. Not a huge amount to cover this week. No, not a lot. Uh, Tim Krull scored in the Norwich Man City game. Unfortunately, didn't know much about it, and it was an own goal. <laughs> and I, 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 did, I did watch it on Match of the Day, and he didn't really have much choice, no, chance no. choice. Uh, Zanzala scored for Barrow. He then also against Villa started smashing <laughs> the did. ground up with a wayward shot, which is uh, uh, which is what uh, Mister Cooper wants him to spend money on. So he's not helping yeah. things, is he? Cole Stockton just keeps scoring for fun. He's got two this week, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, I mean they've dipped off a little bit in their form now, though, haven't they? I think they're good yeah. start. They've dipped off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a certain Kedwin Scott scored two for Gateshead in the first game of the season. <laughs> uh, George Waring scored twice for Chester. Yeah, that was a blast. Uh, Jenny got a penalty for Blackpool. Oh. Andy Cook scored for Bradford again. And a one game wonder with an own goal, Sean McGinty up in oh. Scotland. A uh, couple of transfers, both to National League teams. Yep. Uh, Dean Furman, having turned down Oldham has now, and been on trial at Wrexham has now signed for Altrinham, so they must be offering decent uh, yeah. tatey. And Marcus Dewhurst has gone on loan to Solihull Moors. Oh. He made his debut against Wrexham, didn't he, the weekend? Obviously, mm. um, who Aaron Hayden's playing for now. Um, speaking of Wrexham, obviously, there's been rumours linking Callum Guy with a move there. We, we I, think think the more, well, I think the more historical from the summer when they were just... Asking everyone who, who who's going to sell and what, and there's there's been a few whispers that they possibly asked about him at the same time as Hayden, and were told to sod off, basically. Yeah, one or the other. So, uh, so there you go. And uh, finally, a little bit of a bother for one of our ex managers, not for him specifically, but for his club. I put in here. Well, um, I I pre- I predicted they would struggle. Yeah, Oldham Athletic. Obviously, we're talking about here, and, uh, Keith Curl. Um, not so much his fault, I don't think, really, at the moment. I know you'd probably disagree there, Dan, but off the field, they just look an absolute mess at the moment, don't they? Their, their game against Accrington in the League Cup the other night was uh, delayed for about 15 minutes because fans threw tennis balls on the pitch. I mean, that's an old one, isn't it? Because I think that was... Um, was it the, the whole City fans did that back in the 90s, didn't they, when David Lloyd yeah. was, was their owner, I think, a game against Bolton or something like that. Um so yeah, lots of uh, tennis balls thrown on the pitch. Two pitch invasions in the last two games that delayed the games as well. I bet they, I bet they wish you could get points for the League Cup because they've been Tranmere and Accrington now, haven't they? That is it, they're, they're struggling in the league. It's a it's a crazy one. Um, yeah, they just look a bit of a mess, don't they? And I think our predictions for them to struggle this season are looking like smart ones so far. As mm. is, um, I have to say, my prediction for Forest Green to win the, the division, as it looks uh, at the moment. Like they're going to be the team to beat, doesn't it? They're... Absolutely flying under Rob Edwards, and yeah. it shows the merit of just keeping your squad together as much as anything, and investing wisely in good young players, doesn't it? So, fair play to them. That's it for this week, then, Dan. Uh, thanks once again for joining me. Uh, thanks once again to the London Branch for sponsoring the second half of the show. Uh, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast on all good podcast apps, whether that's Apple, Google, Spotify, Acast, any podcast app like that. If we're not on a podcast app when you search for Punt and Bugle, let us know and we'll try and get us put onto the app. Um, as, as well as that, if you can give us a review wherever you get your podcast, that'd be fantastic. A five-star one would be lovely. 
Um, you can follow us on social media at Brunt and Bugle. Uh, we're on Facebook as well, on Brunt and Bugle. Just search for that. We're also posting on the Be Just and Fair Not Facebook group and obviously on the Cumbrians.net message board. And you can email us bruntandbugle at gmail.com. Um, and Dan, we've got a new country on the map. Du, 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 I checked before. Croatia. Yeah. Mm. Holiday. That's a holiday person. It definitely is, isn't it, basically? Hey, we've yeah. got a listening in Croatia. I'm having it every day of the week. Where, whereabouts did it say? Uh, I don't know. I didn't have a look, so I'll have to, I'll have to check that. Yeah. Out, so, but there you go. Uh, so there you go. Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, we've actually got one out, haven't we, Dan? Yeah. We finally got my 11 out yesterday. Yeah, we had some good feedback on that so far. Everyone seems to be interested. Uh, some interesting choices in there, Dan. That some older names that some fans won't know. Actually, I think it's fair to say. Um, so the younger fans, I should say. Um, but yeah, they had a really good episode, and we're get, we're going to get around to recording mine in the like, next week or two, I think, as well, just to to get yeah. that one pinned down. There'll be there'll be some interesting names in mind because I'm not going for best eleven. I'm going for my favourite eleven. And it's really proving bloody hard to pick it at the moment. Defence especially. <laughs> Finding defence an absolute nightmare to pick because there's so many players I'd love to have in there. But there you go. Um, yeah, so obviously we'll have an episode out next week for the uh, Salford game. And uh, then we'll probably have there's, a there's not there's, there's nothing happening midweek. No, no, no game midweek. Not all no. about that. There you go. Dan, a pleasure as always. Um, thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.